Welcome to the FDN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their health issues. We hope you enjoy the show. The stuff we're buying at the grocery store is typically, it could be two months after they harvest it before it actually makes it to the grocery store, which I find fascinating. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. My name is Evan Transu, aka Health Coach Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Now, quick announcement. If you are not on Clubhouse, you want to get on Clubhouse. Clubhouse is an app that is now just recently available for Android at the time of recording this, and it's a great place where people can come on and have real conversations about things that matter to them. So it's not specific to functional healthcare by any means, but we do have the official FDN club on there, and you could follow us, get connected, and then we're going live every Monday at 12 p.m. PST, 3 p.m. EST. Again, that's live every Monday at 12 p.m. PST, 3 p.m. EST. Now, this is not like a podcast. This is not saved and you can hear it later. This is a live conversation. So it stinks because you got to be available at that time. But the benefit is, you know, we have the founder, Reed Davis, hopping on there all the time. I know depending on when you're listening to this, he will not be on... Uh, what is this, the 12th right now? It's a Wednesday, whatever the following Monday is. I can't do the math in my head really quick. That's pretty sad. But... Anyway, this upcoming Monday, he's not going to be on, but any other Monday, you can usually catch him there, as well as other high-level staff of FDN, people that know their stuff. And we are still, probably because Clubhouse is so new, just small enough that you have the opportunity to ask these people anything. I mean, Reed is not really easy to get to in terms of consulting like that, so it's wonderful to be able to ask him your questions. And we actually spend the last 30 minutes of the show doing just that, so you're able to ask questions to so our panelists, which also include uh, special guest interviews every week. So definitely make sure to check us out on Clubhouse. Again, Mondays at 12 p.m. PST, 3 p.m. EST. As for today, we are talking to someone who is not an FDN, but still pretty freaking cool. I got to give her it. <laughs> she is Mallory Gonzalez, and she's the head of nutrition at Kenco, a company that offers no fuss and healthy instant smoothies. She was nice enough to send my family some free stuff, and my mom used like all of them. She absolutely loved it. I love the sourcing. I got to be honest, I'm pretty strict. I'm not going to recommend or advertise anything on here that I don't think is done properly, and they nailed it. If you're someone that utilizes smoothies or anything like that, it is a really kind of unique way to get the smoothie in because you don't have to use some crazy blender necessarily, although I'm sure that you could. Uh, These were more like mixed packets and Again, you would be like, oh, this isn't going to taste good or it's not going to taste like a smoothie. Um, And it really does. It's very interesting. And they do this with all organic products. So very cool there. Check it out. Kenco, which is K-E-N-C-K-O. Mallory is also a registered dietitian with her Master of Science who specializes in nutrition plans and diet coaching to ensure all of her clients are the healthiest they can be. I think it's really interesting to hear from a registered dietitian and the perspective that she brought on this particular podcast. And what I love about Mallory is that she's very objective. And so she is someone that you're not going to hear any dogma from her. And it's really important for those of us out there that are always trying to figure out what's the best diet. Many of our listeners are trying to figure that out probably. Well, when you hear from someone who's gone through the training that she has, say the things that she says, I think it makes us ease up a little bit and we realize, okay, nutrition is important. It is very important, but It is different for everyone, and there's probably not one universal diet that's going to work 
uh, for every individual out there. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. Hey there, Mallory. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Hi, Evan. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. I'm super excited to be here. So am I. I'm almost positive that in terms of this show, as of recording, you might be the first registered dietitian on here. And I love, well, I think this is one of the things that Universal at FDN is we do not try to be dogmatic about any one mm-hmm. diet or one thing. We love bringing on different perspectives. And yeah. most importantly, we're focused on you know results, like what works for people, what's actually getting people um, better. And I know that you and I had talked before, and I mean, certainly it's not like you have some crazy health story, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'd still just curious though for the audience, um, can we have like a little summary of what got you into it? Because I know this seemed to have piqued your interest in college, you said. Yes, absolutely. And I feel honored to be um, the first dietitian on your show. That's fantastic. Um, Really, you know, my interest in nutrition came from, to be honest, I thought I was pursuing like um, a medical degree. I thought I really wanted to do optometry. I wanted to be an eye doctor, which is interesting. But I shadowed an eye doctor and nothing against optometrists. They're fantastic. But I thought it was like the most boring day of my life. (laughs) Um, and so I was going into my senior year of undergrad and I was like, okay, well I have to figure out something. And so I started shadowing a lot of different, um, health professions. You know, I, I shadowed like a dentist. I shadowed, um, like a medical doctor. I, and anyway, I ended up shadowing a registered dietitian and I thought it was so interesting and so fun. And I actually had an interest in nutrition, but I hadn't really pinpointed it yet. Like I had helped start like a food pantry on campus. I helped at a soup kitchen weekly where I really was kind of focusing on nutrition and helping others through nutrition. But um, yeah, once I shadowed a a registered dietitian, I was like, this is, this is it. Then I went on to grad school to get my master's and my RD. And that's really how it all got started. That's cool. And I think, um, I love that you just mentioned the education because I think there's a lot of ignorance. um, And I mean that in a not a negative way, but there is ignorance to the public of how much education actually goes into um, becoming a dietitian. You know, this is pretty extensive schooling. People learn a lot. And um, that's why, again, I'm excited to talk to you today. So before we get into anything, because I just have so much curiosity around, I've always uh, found the different diets and stuff fascinating. Yeah. And I know that you are about like how to eat kind of nutritiously without Mm -hmm. being on a specific diet or plan. So I'm curious, like what does that actually mean? Because when we say healthy or nutritious, we all Mm -hmm. know there are so many different philosophies out there. So what does that mean to you if something's actually nutritious? Yeah, absolutely. So really my approach to nutrition is first of all, making it easy to people because I, I think that nutrition can get so complicated that it feels overwhelming to people. So they don't even know where to start or they've received all this information their entire life about all these different diets. And then they think all these foods are bad when they can be nutritious for your body. So really when I'm talking about nutritious foods and nutritious eating, I'm talking about the good stuff like whole grains, lean proteins, healthy fats, um, things like that so that we can work on focusing on the quality of food and some of the other stuff can fit in, right? That's if we're putting more of those good nutritious things in our body, then every once in a while we eat some of those foods that we might consider less healthy. Like that's okay. That can fit. I think it's what we're doing most consistently over time. Of course, given that you don't have a health condition or something or any intolerances to those foods that, um, that it can produce very good health outcomes. So really my approach is all foods fit and I want to make it as simple as possible for people to understand. So they don't feel overwhelmed when they're trying to incorporate healthier eating into their routine. 
And I love that you brought that up because, you know, at the end of the day, when someone goes through like an FDN program or whatever, Mm -hmm. we typically are going to have to get pretty strict because we're dealing with people that are rather sick. And then one day, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of can find, hey, I I can let this in or that in and it's really not that big of a deal. But it's amazing what the body does react to in that chronic stress state. So I like that you Mm -hmm. have that realistic approach where, yes, we can absolutely eat some junk sometimes and we're going to be okay. That's just stress on the body. The human body is meant to take stress. Yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry, you go. Oh, no, go ahead. You're good. I was just going to say, when you're in college like, and you're learning about this stuff, because I've learned a ton about nutrition, I've read a lot mm-hmm. of books, but I've never done it at that level. Are yeah. they promoting a specific type of diet nowadays, or is it more a set of guidelines and other diets can fit into this? That's I've always been curious about that. That's a great question. Really, what you're le- learning through school from the educational point of view um, is that Guidelines, of course, we're looking at like the general guidelines for healthy people, you know, the USA recommendations, things of that nature. But then also through school, you're looking at nutrition for specific health conditions. So, you know, you'll learn, of course, general eating for like the population, but then you also learn condition by condition. So if somebody has um, any sort of chronic disease like diabetes or, I mean, even just like chronic inflammation or anything like that. So first you learn kind of the overview, what foods can do for your body and things like that. And then you kind of dive into the most individual cases. And so as far as diets go, I wouldn't say that I, like we learn what diets are, but as far as like trendy diets or things like that, you don't really get taught like if those can fit in. I think as dietitians, we always practice to like, again, those general rules to healthy eating. And um, if the fad diets don't like fit into that category, then we're like, okay, these are things to pay attention to. They might not align with just those general rules or of healthy eating or even be like, um, you know, conducive for your health. It, it might not even be necessary. So um, yeah, we focus more on those like what food going to do for the body versus looking at diets in particular, unless it's a specific diet for a health condition. Very cool. I had um, a certification that I did prior to FDN where you do, I I don't want, they say you learn, I would say you're introduced rather to like a hundred different dietary theories. And it is where your mind gets open to this idea. Wow. There are so many, clearly none have worked universally. Otherwise we wouldn't need the other 99, right? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Yes. Yeah. And and so that's where this aspect of like the bio-individual stuff gets involved. And before we get into other topics, again, I just have a personal curiosity with the Mm -hmm. educational standpoint. Um, What do you think is like the number one best thing you learned from college in terms of nutrition and doing these types of things and uh, the dietitian stuff? And then what is maybe one thing that you learned afterwards that you're like, man, I really would have loved to see that in there but it kind of wasn't there. Yeah, honestly, I think what I loved to what I loved learning was how individualized nutrition is. Going off what you said, like you can learn 100 different diets, but um if that shows that there's not a one size fits all with nutrition as we both know. And so what I really really liked learning about through all those years of schooling was that nutrition really is individualized and like every person's nutrition journey is different. And that's why, you know, you need a health practitioner or somebody to go along the journey with you and be a support system and help you along the way. So that's my favorite thing that I learned. Um, I think something that I wish we might've like dove into a little bit more is, um, of course we, through our internship and our masters and things like that, you learn about all these specific, um, 
disease states and stuff from a very generalized view. But then afterwards, you can go on your own and get special, like specialize in these areas. And so sometimes I wish that there were more opportunity to specialize in something super specific, like only hormones or like only um, other chronic illnesses. Of course, we have the information to help treat, to help with diet recommendations around these things. But I think that there's just so much information about so many different areas of specialty um, that I wish we would have dove into that a little bit more. Okay. Very cool. I mean, I'd love to see that as well. You know, I'd love to yeah. see the stuff that we do with like FDN at that um, college level one day. I, we have a goal to yeah. make it mainstream and I think it's catching on. So um, I love the objectivity there. I appreciate both sides yeah. of that. Now, one of the other things was, you know, why intuitive eating is kind of more beneficial than traditional meals. And I think in my mm -hmm. world, I hear intuitive eating or see it written out mm -hmm. truly, Mallory, probably almost daily. Um, yeah. on like Instagram and stuff, but certainly there's going to be members of our audience that might not even be familiar with that term. So what yeah. does intuitive eating actually mean? So when we're talking about intuitive eating, there are different steps to the intuitive eating program. And there's a book called intuitive eating if we want to dive into that, but essentially in a nutshell, it's learning to listen to your body and what your body needs and trying to, um, get rid of the the idea of you have to file, follow this extremely strict diet. Like I said, we're always hearing these information, information about different diets that we need to go on. And my, by the time that you talk, like when I talk to my clients, most of them have been on hundreds of diets already throughout their life, you know, and they still feel like they're unhealthy and they are at a point where they feel like they've spent most of their life trying to lose weight or something like that. And really intuitive eating is focusing on listening to your body, listening to your hunger cues, your fullness cues, and, um, trying to fuel your body through that way. Of course, there are some gentle nutritional nutrition principles throughout it, but it is research back. There are over a hundred studies looking at intuitive eating. And a lot of these studies conclude that it's associated with improved cholesterol levels, better body image, higher self-esteem, improved metabolism, um, increased satisfaction with life, decreased stress levels. So there are some really good research studies out there supporting intuitive eating, which I love. I'm all about the evidence-based, you know, science-backed research. And so, um, yeah, we're trying to kind of ditch the diets and then focus on just fueling our body in a way without all the stress of rules and limitations and things like that. Hi, very cool. I mean, that's a definition that obviously makes sense. I got mm -hmm. a wonderful friend, Lily, from high school, and mm -hmm. she is someone that um, she's very public about her journey. She's dealt yeah. with a lot of eating disorders, uh, binge mm -hmm. eating stuff or whatever. And, you know, she's very promoting of this intuitive eating idea. Yeah. And I, I love what she does, but she does it so um, appropriately and tastefully and in, mm -hmm. in a way that inspires. She'll be like on her thing and be like, you know, she, she used to have problems. Like, I, oh, I can't eat certain foods or I can't do this. And she'll be like, you know, taking a picture of herself eating a huge cupcake or whatever and just showing how she's actually healthier than she ever was before yeah. by doing those types of things. Because I love what you said. I didn't even know there was literature around this mm -hmm. and reduced stress levels. I'll tell you this. I see that in this yeah. woman. I mean, it is clear that the restriction was leading to way more problems than mm -hmm. eating the cupcake every now and then ever yeah. was. Um, and so my question with the intuitive eating thing, though, because this is yeah. probably something that might come up for you, I'm not sure. How do you identify the difference between intuitive eating versus like a craving? Because many people are probably like addicted to sugar. And I'll tell you this, there's been plenty of times in my life where I would have loved to call my craving an intuition, and perhaps mm -hmm. it's not. So where does the line get drawn there in your world? Okay. So I think that's something to kind of dive in and look at restriction a little bit more. So when we are saying, let's use 
cupcakes as an example. So um, if I tell myself, you know, I I can't, I'm not going to eat any cupcakes for a month. Let's do that. Where I'm, you know, I'm kind of making it this off limit food. It's going to make that food so much more appealing, right? Like I'm probably going to go to sleep thinking about cupcakes. I'm going to wake up thinking about it because, you know, we're saying this is off limits. Um, and again, I'm talking like if we're not associated, if we're not looking at any like chronic health issues going on at the same time. So anyway, so versus, you know, if we say like, okay, I can, I give myself permission to have this cupcake. I ha- I'm going to have the cupcake and move on. You know, if you're restricting and you, like I said, saying, oh, I'm not going to eat it. If you encounter it, you're more likely to eat 10 cupcakes. You know, you're going to feel a lot more out of control around that food. So by giving yourself permission to have these foods, it makes them a little like less appealing. And it gives you the space to listen to your body and what your body needs. You might, I think like, I actually don't need a cupcake right now. I, had something really sweet earlier, I'm going to go for an apple instead. So really, you know, there are different strategies on looking back and seeing like, is this just something that I'm craving or am I actually hungry? And so you ask yourself those questions. Like, have I eaten today? Like, did I eat regularly today? Because you might just be hungry and you're craving something sweet. If you did eat regularly today, you might just be craving a cupcake. Then you identify like, oh, this is just a craving. I've had plenty of food today. Um, I, you know, had plenty of plenty of protein, fats, carbohydrates, all the things that fuel my body. And this is just a craving. And I identify that and I see that. So I think that it is a journey of learning and asking yourself these questions. Um, and on the vice versa that, you know, I always compare things like this to um, like the carrots in my refrigerator. You know, I give myself unconditional permission to eat those carrots because they're of course so nutritious, but a lot of times they just sit there. So the idea is like, of course you shouldn't be eating cupcakes all day, but when you say like, oh, I'm going to have a bite of this. And if I want to have a bite of it tomorrow, that's fine too. Then it makes you a lot less, it takes off that pressure of feeling like I need to eat this all right now because I'm not going to eat any more cupcakes in the future. I think this makes a lot of sense. And honestly, as I've heard it talked about more, I identified that there was a time period for me where I was actually subject to this because mm-hmm. what happened is, and again, I do ag- I agree with this for a time for people who are super sick. I was strict with mm-hmm. the diet and I actually had no problem doing it because I felt so good. Well, the issue was, I, and this probably came from like a fear of going back, even though I was much healthier and I didn't really mm-hmm. have to worry about that. And you hit the nail on the head because it was like, all right, I'm still resisting. I'm still resisting. And then when Mm -hmm. I did eat, it's like, okay, well, we're having a ungodly amount of chocolate or this thing Mm -hmm. rather than just a small portion. And it's hilarious because I mean, truly, I used to not be able to eat even a small piece of chocolate, for example, even organic, pure dark, all that Mm -hmm. stuff without breaking out. And I could have it daily now. And to be honest, it's actually a good little bit without any problems because I've healed. And that changes from, all right, well, I'm not going to eat it for a week. And then I eat everything versus, hey, you actually can have a little bit of this right now. So I think you're actually speaking to a ton of our people out here because, Mm -hmm. yeah, if you're super sick, we do know that you have to kind of dial back for a little bit to get better. But there's going to be a time where, yeah, you need to reintegrate. You don't have to live this insane lifestyle forever because you're kind of making up for that lost time. And that's temporary. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. one of the other things, um, too, is I know that you're interested in making nutrition like more accessible and simpler to follow. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know what that means to you, but I know initially uh-huh. when I, I read that, I'm like, okay, this is great because the problem is there are 
I know no person ever that has woken up and said, oh, I want to be unhealthy and undernourished. They yeah. don't, but they get slammed with all, all these different books and all these different yeah. articles. And then they think they're doing something really good and they're told it has to be this diet. So I like yeah. this um, idea. How do we make nutrition more accessible and simpler to follow for the average person? Absolutely. And this, again, it can differ from person to person. So first off, I always like to, when I'm working with a client, I like to really get to know about their routine, you know, because first to make it accessible and simpler and really easier to maintain over time, um, we need to know their routine because there was a time where a lot of my clients were working on the road often, you know, like they um, were like driving trucks all day long, or maybe sometimes for multiple days. And so like meal prepping was not ideal for them. Right. And so um, just finding what works for them. So I always tell people like one step in the right direction. So simpler, meaning I'm going to give you my overall guidelines. And that's focusing on the quality of food that we're eating. So again, those whole grains, lean proteins, healthy fats, um, a generalized healthy diet. That's what we're focusing on at first and how we can take one step in that direction. So if somebody, you know, notices that they're eating like foods, like let's say processed and fried foods, often throughout the day, um, we can reflect on how that makes them feel. Do they feel tired? Do they feel good? Like you said, most people aren't waking up, you know, with the objective of being like, oh, I'm going to eat unhealthy all day long. Sometimes it's just what's available to them. So I'm like, what are one or two things we can change throughout the day that are going to, you know, contribute to better health? If we can, you know, trade some of those things out for fruits and vegetables, that's a step in the right direction, you know, and then focusing on go week by week, step by step until we can get some, good quality foods in their routine regularly. So again, versus on the flip side of that, what wouldn't be sustainable is saying like, okay, immediately we're going to just cut out everything you're doing. We're trying something new right now. You know, that's hard to sustain. So really it's just working with people and their schedules and their life and saying like, okay, what are some areas that we can identify right now to work towards feeling better through food? Because those Little changes over time turn into big changes, right? Well, and that is 100% the truth. I have a lovely grandmother who is not nearly as into this stuff as I am. And mm -hmm. she has been a type 2 diabetic for over 40 years, mm -hmm. which is remarkable in and of itself. And I remember we were just trying to do some stuff together two years ago. And we literally, Mallory, had to start with just drinking an ample amount of water every day because, you know, she would do mm -hmm. the crystal light and she did one or two bottles of that and the rest was yeah. soda. Seriously. And yeah. that simple thing, she was like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to the bathroom all the time and I just, I feel like I have more energy. I'm like, well, that's what happens when you're hydrated. <laughs> yeah. Um, it seems so basic, but yeah, if you start those simple things, I, I think that really works. I think that has validity to it. Absolutely. I think that's fantastic too. Like you said, I mean, just like those few steps. And then that gives people in confidence. Like if they can conquer this simple goal like that, like adding some more water into their routine versus instead of soda, and they can recognize that they can do it. That is, that's the key because then they feel confident going into the next goal. Um, the new changes. Absolutely. And yes, we, I do that a lot, like in my personal life, because mm -hmm. I find that people they're looking at what I'm doing and they it looks like extreme, right? Well, I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. these are habits over time that are developed. So I just try to find any little win that I can. And yeah. once they see it, then they're like, oh, of course, I'd like to do more with this. Now, 
I don't know if you have any experience with this, but it seems like you're someone that's really out there trying to kind of shake things up and, and make some moves, which I love. Mm-hmm. Have you had any experience with like schools or whatever? Because I would love to know a solution there. I work in schools a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I see what these kids are eating still. Of course, the pandemic's been a little different, but you know what yeah. I mean? And I am just like, oh my gosh, this seems like such an easy thing to change. Like, do you yeah. have any experience with that by any chance or like have any idea of how we can better these foods at the schools? You know, I haven't worked directly with schools. I will say that um, I did some data entry once on a research study that was going on, um, and they were looking at vegetable intake in schools. And something that I found fascinating was that they counted pizza as a vegetable. I I mean, I know that doesn't really answer the question of like change that we need to make, but that is an area to identify. I would, I was like, oh, because this has pizza sauce tomato sauce on it they count the whole pizza as a vegetable and i was like uh, like you i was like okay i definitely think there's room <laughs> for improvement here um i think that there's several factors to that you know how do we um help introduce nutritious foods to kids to where that's you know what they want to eat and things like that but um have not worked directly within schools um focusing on that no problem so, and yeah i didn't mean to hit you with a curveball question no, by any means. It's i think just- it's a great question i'm with you <laughs> Yeah, it's something I'm passionate about because I look at it, I'm just like, everyone agrees that this is yeah. not good when I talk to them one-on-one. Yeah. Why is it still here? Like, <laughs> what is going on? Um, Absolutely. Okay, cool. So what does your life look like now? Because I know you're head of nutrition for a company. Like, I'd love to mm-hmm. learn more about this stuff and what you guys do. Yeah, thanks for asking. So essentially, I work, I'm the head of nutrition for a company called Kinco, and we are an instant organic smoothie made from only fruits and vegetables. Um, it, they come in packs and they're shelf stable. So you shake them up with water and then you have two points are 2.5 servings of fruits and vegetables every day. And what I really love about the company is the CEO's mission because um, essentially back in 2011, I believe it was, I hope I'm not wrong on that. He um, was diagnosed. He'd be totally fine with me sharing his story because it resulted in the product, which is cool. But he was diagnosed with acute gastritis and um, essentially he changed his diet, was able to eventually um, get off medication and was feeling so much better. But he started incorporating, you know, more fruits and vegetables. But his big frustration was that fruits and vegetables can't, you know, have you ever had like an old apple in your backpack? Like sometimes they're not always convenient. So he went out on this mission to help make fruits and vegetables like easier shelf stable. And so that's how our smoothies came to life. So what I do at the company is one, if you um, purchase the smoothies or you buy the smoothies, you get free one-on-one access to a dietitian. So you can work with a dietitian. There's a few dietitians on staff, including myself. And we love to work one-on-one with our members um, and go on the nutrition journey with them and give them some helpful guidance. And then also another thing that I do day to day, which I love is I'm involved with product development, you know, making sure that the ingredients going into our smoothies are fantastic, you know, fruits and vegetables, very nutritious items going in there. So it's, it's really cool because I get to work with people and help people on their nutrition, on their nutrition journey. But I also get to be involved in, you know, what's going into the product and what people are receiving and ultimately what they're, you know, using to add more nutrition to their day to day. And so I really, really love what Kinko does. Obviously, I'm biased. I work there, but 
you know. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, you know, I say the same thing about FDN and I mean, I work here for a reason. You know, I want to be here. I mean, that's a yeah. good thing to be passionate about what we're doing. I, I think we need, forget the nutrition stuff. We just need the world to be doing that in general. I think we have a yeah. lot happier people. And this sounds like a total dream job for a dietitian. I mean, this is pretty cool, <laughs> you know, because yeah. you get a little bit of um, advising and working with people. So yeah. you know, something we always ask on the show, and I, I think it is very relevant to someone like you, even if you're not necessarily dealing with crazy, chronically ill individuals, when mm -hmm. you're like having this client dietitian relationship with the person, what does that look like? Is this like a one session? We check everything out or is this, I'm working with this people, you know, multiple times a month. Like I'm not really actually sure how that goes typically. Yeah. I love that you asked that. I, so once we set up, um, an initial consultation, really it's based off of that. I see everybody I talk to multiple times typically. Um, of course, unless they just have some general questions that can be addressed there, but the goal is to go on the journey with them. So typically I talk to my clients weekly or biweekly, depending on their needs, have check-ins. And like I said, assess where they're at and make new goals depending on, um, what they need nutritionally. So yeah, overall, the goal is to go on that journey with them, probably very similar to what you do. You know, you have check-ins, see what's working, see what's, you know, um, how people are feeling and seeing how to adjust. Perfect. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Are there any like um, cool client success stories that stand out to you? And again, this doesn't have to be anything crazy dramatic. I just love encouraging people. And I think hearing stories about, you know, hey, when we're talking our, our functional lab side or for you, mm -hmm. hey, this is what nutrition can actually do. Even if it's just like losing some weight, are there any things that like really stick out to the degree that you're able to share the story, of course? Yeah, absolutely. Like I've had one person that I've been working with for over a year and they, they came and again, just like, one of had been on diets their entire life and then felt like they hadn't gone anywhere with it. And their ultimate goal was weight loss. And really when in our first session, I was like, well, let's just, let's just focus on, you know, fueling the body and like eating more nutritiously, getting some more of these good foods in. And of course, um, looked at their routine and made some suggestions for adjustment. And over the course of the year, that person's lost around 30 pounds. Um, and this was a healthy amount of weight loss for this individual. Um, typically weight loss isn't even my goal, but again, we weren't even focusing on weight loss. We were just focusing on small changes to help them like eat more nutritiously. And so that's one of my favorite client stories is that they felt like coming in that diet was the only answer. And then we didn't even do diet. We were just like, okay, this food makes you drowsy in the afternoon. Let's switch it out with something that's more nutritious. Let's see how that goes. And then, you know, of course, over time we adjusted plenty of things and they never had to feel like they were restricted or anything like that and feel super nutrition, like super healthy now, tons of energy and just like a great story. And then I've had other clients, like, again, same thing. Um, I had one that just wanted to be able to do like body weight squats. That was their goal was to do squats. And then again, I'm not an exercise or fitness professional, but I was like, okay, let's focus on, you know, of course you're going to have some exercise goals, but let's focus on basic nutrition principles, eating more nutritiously little by little and see where we get. And this person loves to work out now. They're in the gym. They're on the squat rack doing squats with weight. I think it's fantastic. Very cool. And where can people um, find that? I know you mentioned the name of the company, but like, is the website Kenco? Yeah. Kenco.com. You can find us over there. And it looks like, folks, that is spelled K-E-N-C-K-O.com. I did do a little research, and I saw that – is it true that this is always organic, all these products that you guys have? Yes, completely organic, 
only fruits and vegetables. And then sometimes you'll see like seeds and spices like flax seeds or cinnamon in there. Um, completely plant-based. Well, you're right up our alley for sure with the all organic. That's awesome. Now, Mike, mm-hmm. I have two more questions for you really quick. Yeah. And one is it just, I can't not ask this on the show because, and this is from my understanding. So forgive me if I'm ignorant. Yeah, here. go for it. I've seen many people come out of the college route and, you know, not only hate on organic, but act like, hey, well, there is no validity to that. Was the organic thing something that was promoted to you in college? And well, that's my first question. Was it promoted to you in college or no? So, um, what we learned in college, these are such interesting questions, um, were the clean 15 and the dirty dozen, um, every year they, there's always a list of foods of like, Hey, these are the ones to pick out organic. And these are the ones that it's not as important as what they say, um, to be organic. But I think that there are so many benefits to going organic to avoid, you know, any extra pesticides or chemicals that in your produce, but typically those, um, the ones that they recommend saying like, oh, this isn't as important. What they teach us in school are the ones that have like a hard shell on them. So something like an avocado where it's not directly being exposed, the portion that you're eating to the chemicals. However, um, at Kinko, we are very passionate about all organic produce going into our studies at all times. And fair enough with the clean 15 and dirty dozen thing, which is always a great thing to check out every year, by yeah. the way, guys, definitely yes, I mean, simple Google search, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and fair enough, because that's all I'm ever asking people. I'm like, guys, like there is, they're like, oh, well, there's organic pesticides used on organic food. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. this is still a lot less scary yes. than direct application of like glyphosate and stuff. Yes. I mean, holy cow, like, yeah. come on. Um, and what we do know as well, and I've seen this more, I mean, this is getting off on a kind of side topic, but Mm -hmm. obviously you're someone based in the research, which I love. There has been studies showing that there is not a huge difference, if any, in nutritional content of like mass chain organic. Like, And you know what? I'm not saying that this is the grocery store that was used in the study. I don't know that. I'm just using an example. So don't sue me, Giant. But Giant Food Stores is something we have around here. It would Mm -hmm. be the equivalent of like running their organic next to their conventional and mm-hmm. there's no nutritional change. Well, what they've shown though is if you start going to like these local farmer markets or stuff yeah. like that when it's in season, yes, yeah. the organic actually does have a lot more nutritional yeah. content as well. So if nothing else, I would pay the extra just for what I'm not getting. It's a yeah. bonus if you're getting something else from it. So I love that you guys have yeah. that philosophy. And I'm excited to know that the clean 15 dirty dozen thing, that's something I love. So I love to know that mm-hmm. that's promoted um, to people like yourself because that I think that's important. Organic yeah. food changed my life originally. Absolutely. And something too, just to note on that, that I found that I find super interesting and it totally makes sense with like, if you're buying local produce organic, that it's more nutritious. And this is why. So the, as soon as you pick produce or harvest it, let's say you pick an apple off the tree, the nutritional value can start to change um, immediately. So the longer it takes to get from the tree to your plate, the bigger difference there's going to be in the nutritional value. This is because of water-soluble vitamins. So whenever you are buying local, it's likely that you're getting it a lot sooner from when it was harvested. So local organic is definitely a great way to go. As you were saying, that makes total sense that there's higher um nutrient values because the stuff we're buying at the grocery store is typically, it could be two months after they harvest it before it actually makes it to the grocery store, which I find fascinating. And I always love to tell people if like the problem is like finances and you need to pick 
you need to decide what to buy organic or what to buy conventional, that's when I refer them to that clean 15 dirty dozen list because I'm like, here's the priority. And then, you know, if conventional bees is, you know, better budget wise and by all means go for that. Sure. Yeah. Very well said and great point about, yes, because people don't understand a lot of the times and I don't blame them. I mean, it's not common yeah, knowledge, but yes, when a banana is transported from, you know, somewhere in the South all the way up to Maine, that's mm-hmm. going to, you're going to lose some nutritional value. Yes, there. absolutely. Um, <laughs> so it definitely does happen. Are you um, familiar at all? I, I wish I had this offhand because I'm mm-hmm. normally, I take my studies very seriously as well. I normally can reference them perfectly. So I'm hesitant mm-hmm. to even bring something up unless I can cite it immediately. But yeah. forgive me today, guys. Yeah. I remember there was a family of four and the mom and dad had run some type of like tox uh, panel on their, like environmental toxin panel on mm-hmm. their kids and themselves and then did a 30 day organic challenge. Mm-hmm. And like their levels, especially with stuff like glyphosate dropped dramatically. Have you ever seen wow. that? Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? I have not seen that study, okay. but that sounds, I mean, it sounds interesting and it sounds spot on. Yeah, sure. And it's one family, but I mean, I just thought I remember seeing that. I was like, this explains so much because that was the first thing I ever did for my health. Like uh, seven mm-hmm. years ago, I just like, okay, this seems sensible and it, yeah, I'm not even going to eat that much better. I'm just going to eat the organic versions. Mm-hmm. I had the most terrible cystic acne ever that thankfully has resolved because I learned mm-hmm. even more. Mallory, I dealt with that for years. I tried everything except Accutane and that got about 70% better without exaggeration in the first month, simply oh, wow. switching to organic, eating slightly lower sugar, but otherwise changing nothing else. Um, and it was just, I feel like the toxic load, like my body maybe couldn't handle that extra stuff from the crappier versions of even something like candy. You know, there it's still candy, of course, yeah, but there is absolutely. less stuff in it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's so interesting and such a great point too, you know, because I don't, I don't think anybody would like directly eat pesticides, you know what I mean? And so when we think not, about yes. them going on our, like on our foods, I mean, it is something to consider. It's something to say like, okay, is this priority? And then of course, once you try something out and you see the direct effects of it, when, like you said, you made a small change that's very sustainable, very attainable, very realistic, and it had a great health outcome. And I think that speaks volumes of just saying like, hey, like, look at your overall routine and what's something you can identify, even if it's something like this, if you can manage to switch to organic, then that can have a positive health outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I love that you backed up with the science why the local places would make sense because guys, yeah. this is what you want to go do. Like if, you know, you can get something like uh, the products from Kenco, you can go to a local place. I don't buy the, the stuff at the local grocery store is so expensive. I got mm-hmm. this hole in the wall. Well, it's not so much a hole in the wall anymore. They're very successful, yeah. but it's a small little family owned thing. There's like five locations spread out through Eastern PA and mm-hmm. they get stuff. They have all these signs. Um, it's You would love this where it says yeah. like within a hundred miles and yes. all of their stuff comes from within a hundred miles for the most part. And it is actually cheaper because they're getting it directly from the farm. I'm getting more nutritional value. And so yeah. they make a flipping fortune off me. But, you know, I do actually save compared to what I would get in the local grocery store and yeah. um, or the chain grocery store, I should say, because that's technically a local one. And, you know, I'm actually getting more nutritional value. So it's kind of a no brainer, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And of course, we all want to support local businesses, especially now, you know, um, with the pandemic and everything. If you can support local, it's so beneficial. And then even if you go to the farmer's market and you get, you know, they might not have everything you need, like get some items there, you know, you don't, (laughs) it's okay if they don't have everything you need and then, um, fill in the spaces, you know, if you need to go to your market for a 
things that the farmer's market might not have had that you needed or find new recipes, you know, go, but I love doing that. And I love buying produce and, um, like from a farmer's market and then figuring out what to do with it when I get home, if it's something that I wouldn't <laughs> typically use, that's such a fun way to explore new foods. And you might actually find new foods that you like that you didn't know you liked before. I keep, um, I've never pulled the trigger on it yet, but have you ever heard of like those CSAs, the community supported agricultures? Yes. Okay. Do you have an opinion on those? Because they seem really cool in theory. I just feel like it's hard to get like, I I don't know. I've never tested one yet, but you said like, yeah. So I didn't know if that was about. (laughs) Well, uh, I don't know if I've worked directly with something that was under the title of CSA, but um, like community gardens is essentially something that I have been a part of. Um, I have worked, you know, um, with a food bank before I went to grad school. And that was essentially my job was to help with the community garden to help get fresh produce out to people for free, free of charge, which was very, very cool. So from that perspective, if it like community gardens in that space, I'm familiar with, and I think it's fantastic. The only downside of it is it's hard to have an abundance in a lot of cases of foods mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. you know, reach everybody because a lot of times they are smaller spaces, especially if they're in like urban areas. Very good point. Yeah. And again, I've never pulled the trigger yet, but there's so many around me. I'm like, all right, this, this would be fun to do. And like you said, it's good to support local. So mm-hmm. my final question on the podcast, this is the signature one we already do. And yeah. I never assume that I have someone's answer because sometimes it is on, in, on par with what we already talked about. And sometimes it's a little different, but yeah. our signature question, super simple. And that is, If Mallory had a magic wand and you could get everyone in this world to engage in one health habit, so that means maybe they're doing something for their health or they're stopping doing something for their health, what's that one thing that you'd get them to change? Yes, sleep. It's hands down sleep. And I wish my answer had something to do with a certain food that they should eat every day or, you know, something that was specifically nutrition, but gosh, sleep affects everything. You know, if you look at, um, your hunger hormones and your fullness hormones, if you don't get enough sleep, uh, you can overproduce on your hunger hormones and you're underproducing on your fullness hormones as far. And that affects your whole day. Right. So man, a regular sleep schedule is the one thing that I would encourage to anybody because I think that is helpful to everybody. Ooh, did she trick anyone else up? I thought for sure she was going to say something about organic nutrition. And there she is with the answer of sleep. That's why we love asking that question. You never know what these professionals are going to come up with because they've studied so many aspects of health. Sleep is certainly not one that is unique on this podcast. So that should show you how important it really is to healing. Well, anyway, I'd like to thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev, and we've been talking to Mallory Gonzalez, registered dietitian and head of nutrition at Kenco, which is K-E-N-C-K-O dot com, and you can get some organic smoothies over there. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we would love you. They have not posted our most recent episodes, so we're not loving them so much, but maybe we just need some more reviews and then they'll get it out. I'm not really sure what's going on there. That might not help at all, but we'd appreciate it. Thank you. And as a quick reminder, we are live on Clubhouse, which is now available on Android as well, every single Monday at 12 p.m. PST, 3 p.m. EST. Catch us there interviewing people live, and you can actually ask questions there for the last 30 minutes of each session. So thank you once more, and I'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive Podcast you feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues, our team can help. 
Whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success, spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store, or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal, we have your back. Go to FDNThrive.com and click the Get Started Here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health. That's FDNThrive.com.